We are a couple of days removed from Matt Cardona winning the GCW Championship with a deathmatch victory over Nick Effin Gage. Cardona went on Busted Open Radio to discuss the match. He said he respects deathmatch wrestlers and he respects Nick Gage, but it's not for him. This was probably just a one and done for deathmatches, but it's not a one and done for GCW. I'm Ryan Joyne. I run MinnesotaBellTime.com, website, database, track pro wrestling around the world. On today's show, we're talking about Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder. We'll talk about the bloodbath from the weekend. We'll talk about fans throwing stuff in the ring. And we'll also talk about the intelligent GCW booking that got us to this point. Because let's be honest, all of us were swerved and none of us saw this coming. We also have headlines from the last 24 hours. Travis Severance is in the house and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for July 27, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find you the truth. Oh, Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. I think we have a really fun topic. I'm actually more excited to talk about this uh, topic than, than many of the last topics we've had because... Who would have thought that in the opening segment of any wrestling news show, we'd be talking about Zack Ryder. Woo woo. You know it. (laughs) Not me. I'll tell you, especially not in this capacity. When this match was being put together and this storyline was being put together, you and I had some kind of casual conversations about, gosh, how is this thing going to be booked? And what does it look like? And man, Matt is awful pretty to be getting in the ring with a guy like Nick Gage after we saw what we saw in the Florida shows and just the remnants under the ring and glass tubes and all the craziness that goes on. It just didn't feel like, I felt a lot like oil and water going into this thing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I have unfortunately not been able to catch up. I'm on, on location here. As you can see, I'm not in my normal studio, so I haven't had a chance to watch the match. You watched the match, and I know you have some thoughts on how it went and the, the structure of the match and how violent versus how not violent it might have been that you might want to bring us up to speed on. The show for the weekend was really good. It did feature four death matches total, which isn't really the norm for GCW. Number one, they um, have plenty of shows where death match isn't the thing. It's kind of what they're known for because they're on the top end of that, if you can call it that, with the niche thing that is death match style. You don't see it on every show. They've got all kinds of different flavorful stuff that they do, but they are pretty much the only ones that are well known about it. The GCW, the first time I ever heard about them was actually Jim Cornette, not surprisingly bitching about their product. If it's not two guys that are overweight, slugging it out and doing just normal stuff, then he's not for it. The build for this is, was strange. Like we got to see Mock show up and we thought Mox Gage, we got a bunch of this stuff, and they you know, Mox came out and, and did some stuff. And then all of a sudden, they have their show where it comes out. It looks like it's Mox, but it's a bigger framed individual. And the Death Rider's given, and it's actually Matt Cardona, which completely swerved us to begin with. Now, Gage has obviously been a popular topic of conversation because of Dark Side of the Ring. This episode came out. They explained it. You got to see a lot more of it. You got to see him literally die during a deathmatch one time in a helicopter lift from a stunt that kind of went wrong with a glass tube. Go figure. But I'll give Brett Lauderdale and the rest of that GCW crew a hell of a lot of respect for putting this storyline together, making it something that people were paying attention to. So if we get into the match and stuff, it was, compared to other death matches, specifically ones that are on the show and stuff like that, relatively mild. I know if you looked at the pictures and you just saw the snapshots and stuff like that, there was a lot of blood and different things like that. Something for people that are not accustomed to this that they need to understand. 
yes, the wrestlers are going to get cut. Yes, they're using weapons. Yes, they have different things going on. Understand that this style is just as much a show as everything else. And if you were watching AEW last week and you saw the Moxley Archer match, there was some blood, but it was self-imposed blood, and it's not blood coming from what you So It's a theatrical performance. The, I promise you that the fork stabs were not fork stabs. So you see the same thing during these matches. Light tubes get busted. It looks like somebody's scraping it across the other guy's forehead or putting it in his eye or whatever the case may be. I promise you that's not happening. And if you look closely, you'll see it's not happening. The same thing with the pizza cutter. The same thing with a number of different things. Not that it's not violent. Not that people aren't having blood. But it's not to the level that you think. Those kind of images to most normal humans like you and I are fairly visceral. So as far as the match went, um, anybody that was just a normal wrestling fan tuning in, it's not the presentation that you're that you're used, you're to, used to. Yeah, you're not going to see a ton of match. You're not going to see a ton of moves. You're not going to see a bunch of move sequences and acrobatics and that kind of stuff. It's just going to be a lot of things smashing, a lot of shattered glass, a lot of glass tubes being broken, and things like that. That look pretty insane but if you really step back and you take a look at it it's not quite as crazy as you want and most of the time the cuts that they get is because they're getting slammed down on the ground and there's little tiny shards of glass all over the place so there's these little micro cuts that they get all over the place now matt cardona does cut himself and in, they had a spot where he got thrown into the the turnbuckle and there was some shatter glass there and his arm was a little bit lower than what he wanted and, and it definitely gave him a big gash and that's where the majority of the blood you saw in Matt Cardona didn't come from anywhere other than like his arm area. Um, yeah. And he's not a flabby guy or anything like that. So when he gets caught, he's going to bleed. He's a chiseled kind of person. Um, big swerve. Matt Cardona wins, which there was no chance with the, like the AEW build and stuff like that, that we're going to see this week that I thought that Nick Gage was going to lose and Cardona was going to give it, but great job on the booking. Yes, the fans go wild. This is not what they want to see. They want their hero, Nick Gage, who's the biggest anti-hero that I've ever seen right. in my entire life in a wrestling ring. Robbed um, the bank. <laughs> he robbed the bank. He was in prison. <laughs> like, you know, his his resume as far as not being the cleanest individual in the world is is pretty large. Nicky Cross is up here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that mean? Nick yeah. Gage is like the opposite of that for sure. Yeah. yeah, we see the fans throw a bunch of shit in the ring and um, Cardona ends up leaving. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on. If you're not familiar with the GCW product and you've never had a chance to be at one of the live events and you just saw the snapshot of that Twitter video and you looked and you saw, oh my God, there's glass bottles being thrown in and I can't believe these fans and this is despicable and so on and so forth. If you didn't watch any of the show, you would think this is just outlandish. The show we were at and WrestleMania weekend, we saw an entire section unload their chairs into the ring with Joey Janela and Chris Dickinson there. It's part of the fan interaction. If you watch the wrestlers come to the ring when they come out of the tunnel, it's a long tunnel. And the reason it's a long tunnel is it's like a massive mosh pit. For Nick Gage to get to the ring, it takes seven minutes. Not because he's got the Undertaker music and all the pomp and stuff, because fans are crowded around him and they're practically beating him and carrying him to the ring. It's just part of it. But if you look at the front row of a lot of these shows, it's the same people because they love the product, they love the interaction, and they do a lot of great things. Chris Dickinson gave his match win to his grandmother who had passed away that week. The fans surround the ring, crowd the ring, and slap their hands on the showing respect for that. It's not uncommon for the lucha wrestlers to leave with $100 in ones from the appreciation from the fans. Right. It, if you're not familiar with the stuff that they go through, it looks strange. 
you'd say the same thing if you went to a Rocky Horror Picture Show where there's theatrics going on and different things like that. So it's a different it's a different sort of environment. So there's another so a comment coming in from Al asking about any truth of the rumor that there were plants in the crowd to start throwing stuff at Cardona. Now, I'm not sure where the rumor got started here. I do know that Brett Lauderdale, owner of GCW, went on Twitter and said, F you, there were no plants. And I can tell you from being at a GCW show that it only takes one person doing something like throwing a chair in the ring or throwing a soda bottle to cause an entire crowd of people to do it. So I don't think there was a plant. I don't think that makes any sense uh, whatsoever. There was a plant in that crowd the same way as there's a plant that starts with this is awesome chant. Right. Which is how it is at that show. There's a lot of regulars there. There's a lot of people that travel and they do the same. They do the shows time after time. So there's Nick Gage's ring announcement is a 10 minute long spiel that sounds like Enzo's old spiel, right. but longer. Yeah. The entire crowd does it. They sing whole theme songs more than Judas. Like I know we give Judas some credit like that. There's fans in the there's fans in the crowd that react a certain way to what's going on in the ring. Without a doubt, they have standard chants the same way that anybody else does. It's certainly more of a cult type of personality. It's not the kind of show, and I'm not going to tell anybody how to parent, but I'm not bringing my kids to that show because it's, there's adult themes, there's adult topics, and there's a lot of stuff going on. But then again, violence, yeah. I, there's a lot of violence. I, I'm not going to bring them to Marilyn Manson or Nine Inch Nails either. For the same sort of reasons. I'm not going to put my six-year-old front row in the middle of a mosh pit for chainsaw kittens. That's just not part of what I would do normally. So if you're just a casual fan dropping in and you get this one snapshot of what this situation is, and we see this in media all the time, holy cow, this is, I can't believe how terrible this is. Now, what you don't see is they ran an entire show with marginalized performers and with minorities for the culture when we were there. They ran an entire show that featured only gay and transgender wrestlers on the show as well that was themed. They ran an entire show that was just run by women and women wrestlers. So it's not the the whole of the company. The beauty of the company is the variety. It's a buffet to the nth degree. The sad part about it is the only thing that gets out there is that that they're they're using chainsaws on each other in the middle of the ring and their fans are inciting <laughs> now, riots. Let me squash but, that. I, no chainsaws used in this match. Right? But I'll tell you what, in, in, to, to go to some world history and stuff like that, to watch how quickly it just takes a spark and then that entire ring was covered. If you'd, inciting a crowd that's ready to be incited is pretty easy to do. Yes, yeah. Chris Thrasher uh, writing in another question. Who benefits from Cardona winning the GCW title? Mainstream wrestling or deathmatch wrestling? I would argue that it's very much going to be both because that crowd, that GCW crowd, is going to be so hot for Matt Cardona to lose that title that they're going to show up in in big numbers to see whatever match he defends the belt against next. And if he retains, the next one and the next one and the next one. So I think that there's going to be a lot of exposure to GCW because of this. Now, GCW, not exclusively deathmatch wrestling. We just talked about that, but they have the market. I don't want to say they have the market cornered on that, but that they're, they're known for that. So that's going to get a lot of exposure along with the, all the other things that Travis just spoke about. Now on the mainstream side, you've got Zach Car- Zach, Matt Card- Zach Cardona or Matt Ryder, whatever you want to call him, walking around with the GCW championship. Now, I don't think it's going to be on impact wrestling because that's taped like 12 months in advance, 
So that's not going to be, that's not going to happen, but it raises the profile of GCW a lot to have Matt Cardona as champion. And now you have Nick Gage, who was all kinds of buzzworthy this weekend for losing the title to Matt Cardona in this crazy situation. He's going on dynamite this week. And of course they're going to talk about he's the former GCW champion and all that stuff. So everybody benefits from this. So there's a couple of different things that we might be able to expect in AEW. There's a couple of different angles that they can take here. The AEW match is, is a thousand times more interesting now to me that he doesn't have the belt because he's super hungry. That's a big deal. To speak on the other thing too, understand that Deathmatch, like Hell in a Cell, is a specialty match for them at GCW. We probably will likely not see Matt Cardona in another Deathmatch. He'll lose the title at some point, but and he may be in a stipulation match, but it probably won't be a death match. Overall, brilliant for GCW to put together the, the resources like they did to, to get themselves out there in a big pop. And I'll tell you, for all of the posts on the bottles and this, and I can't believe that, exposure is exposure. Yes. They couldn't wait to tell the, their audience that this happened. It's a must-see show now for that audience. Anybody that would have normally gone to that show that didn't go to that show missed out on, a, on an actual legitimate event that was out of control. So this is going to fuel that. Now, in AEW, we could have Matt Cardone show up. Mm-hmm. We could have Nick Gage throttling Jericho. And we could have Moxley come out and make a save. So all kinds of things. And there's a bunch of different out. history that's there that ties into this. And if you're outside of the if you're outside of GCW or you don't know those stories or anything like that, sort of like AEW, they're big on inside baseball and they're big on you having to follow a bunch of different things. They want the more intelligent fan to be able to tune in and they want people to understand the canon and the different storylines. And when you're having this kind of cooperation come in, holy cow, but this fight for the fallen show, how many how many actually wrestling companies are we going to see represented on that thing? It's a lot. It may be the most ever on a card with specifically signed athletes and stuff like that. And another Overall, point on AEW, AEW wants these GCW fans. We're not talking about 10 or 20 extreme fans. There is a really strong following for this promotion, and they took the top guy, and he's going to be in there against Chris Jericho on Wednesday. That's not a mistake. AEW wants to capitalize on this subsection. And by bringing in Nick Gage to wrestle one match or two matches, those fans are going to pay attention to at least those shows and maybe more. Now, if they go back and they look at AEW and they go back through and they look at some of the history of it, exploding death match aside and all the nonsense that happened there. And if we look at that actual match before the finale, not too bad. A, a GCW guy wouldn't look at that thing and think it was terrible. If they tuned in for the Texas Deathmatch last week, that's well within line with what they're what they enjoy from that kind of stuff. That was super super violent. This is what I'll, the only negative that I'll say about the Cardona Gage match is this: for all the exposure that it got, if you were a wrestling fan that tuned in because you wanted to see what happened in, in the Nick Gage Matt Cardona match, and you're just a pure wrestling fan, you didn't get to see a lot of wrestling. If you're a deathmatch fan that tunes in because you want ultra-violent stuff, they followed Alex Cologne, who's their ultra-violent champion, versus Drew Parker, who's Big Japan Pro's hardcore champion, in an insane deathmatch where Drew Parker actually grabbed both the belts and he's the two-time champion in the real deathmatch stuff with crazy green hair and stuff like that. 
those deathmatch people that watched that match, ah, that's tame. The wrestling fans went, well, there wasn't much wrestling. But all the hype and all the build around it and all the all the pop that they're getting from this was worth any of the mediocrity that either one of those two subset fans would look at. It's not always about the match. Andre Hogan wasn't at all about the match. It was about what it was going to do to the product afterwards. And sometimes it's more about the advertising. You can say the same thing about when Shaquille came in and got leveled through the table on the outside of the ring. It's more about the conversation and what brings the eyeballs in than it is necessarily about the performance. Absolutely. All right. We are going to transition now because we have another whole half of the show that we need to get to. But before we do, I do want to talk about, in fact, let's save. we have some SummerSlam updates. We're going to talk about that along with a special show after the break. Al Carl has a fun question about Make-A-Wish that we can get to after the break. So, Travis, while you're listening to the commercial, think about how Nick Gage might fulfill a make a wish so be right back in about a minute and a half everybody if you love the daily wrestling news show then i want to tell you how you can support us first check out bodyslamclothes.com you can get a variety of shirts for just 20 dollars, and all of them come in the super soft style and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping get 10 percent off two or more shirts with the promo code shirts 10 go to bodyslamclothes.com right now to check it out and join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Monday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Monday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeCani, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a pick'em league to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday. It consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at bodyslambrigade.com. And of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday, and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. Okay, we're in the headlines portion of the show, and we do, of course, from Raw last night, have a SummerSlam update. Nikki Ash, almost a superhero, will be defending the Raw Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. And Travis, hold your applause, hold your analysis. You'll be able to tell everybody what you think of that match and all the other ones when we do the SummerSlam special Saturday, August 21st at 3 p.m., We'll get all that analysis, make all those picks, get it all out there before SummerSlam goes on the air that night. One of the four big shows a year, so SummerSlam coming Hyped. Coming up. That's right. But, of course, we know NXT TakeOver 36 is main eventing the weekend, as we like to say. Correct. And we should note that there is still a chance, we have a month or so left, that Daniel Bryan could find his way into that three-way match. I think he's definitely Yash in. Charlotte versus Rhea versus Daniel Bryan. Yep. As we continue that storyline for into infinity. All right. So, uh, Travis, the question that Al posed before the break that I want to get your opinion on: How might Nick Gage fulfill a Make a Wish? Oh, there's a ton of ways he could do it. He could bring a kid to Lowe's. Show him the best <laughs> equipment. 
you know, build them kind of a glass coffee table and show them how they shatter through it. I think he'd be a lot of fun on a trampoline or something like that too. Like <laughs> I, I don't know, who knows? Maybe he's got like a hobby where he does magic tricks or he's great with balloon animals. That's probably it. Yes, I would imagine he was just the kind of guy that I would say. I could also see him working at pizzeria making the balloon animals. You know, that's that's Absolutely. probably the age. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, he might also beat up the kid's arch rival or the kid who picked on him at school or something like that, or maybe that kid's parents. You know. Yeah. Plenty of options. Those. Yeah, many options. That's Nick F. Engage, folks. All right, per PW Insider, after Raw went off the air last night, John Cena and Riddle teamed up to defeat Mason T-Bar. Cena hit the attitude adjustment for the win. So John Cena getting the reps in before SummerSlam. Too bad he doesn't have a match yet. Knocking the rust off, yeah. Yeah. Some AEW news. Last week on Dynamite, Miro announced that he'll be defending the TNT Championship at Homecoming. And we learned in the last 24 hours that his opponent at homecoming, which is not tomorrow, but the following Wednesday, is going to be Lee Johnson. And I'm sorry, Lee. Yeah, Lee, it was good. It was a fun run. Poor Lee Johnson. His career comes to an end that quickly. All right, continuing with their commitment to supporting local communities and charities, AEW has announced that they're making a $100,000 donation to Safe Alliance in conjunction with with Fight for the Fallen in Charlotte. Charity goes towards hope and healing for domestic violence and sexual assault survivors. So that's the uh, the good cause that they're getting involved with this year for Fight for the Fallen. Yeah, and it looks like they put together that alliance too that I saw last week with, with a couple of different advocates and stuff for them as a company. I'm impressed at their ability to identify some things to do as a company so early on and get out and do them. Like we saw the sensory van for kids that might have things to deal with when they're at the shows and stuff. They're like pretty progressive when it comes to that sort of thing. So this isn't a surprise and they're, they're taking, they're taking these things and they're getting out and they're doing active stuff in the community. And it's great. And every year when you see the fight for a fight for the fallen event come up, that there is going to be some sort of charitable portion to it. And it's actually nice that this year's event is such a big show. We'll talk about the lineup for the show, but it's we already talked about Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho, but yeah. there's more to it. And fans are turning out for it because as of Sunday, there were only about 900 tickets left. So this is, it's not a lock that it's a sellout, but it's getting pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. That feels pretty, pretty given. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's AEW. PWG announced Tremendous Six for September 26th. Now, this is the second show they've announced because they have not run since, I believe it's December, yes, December of 2019, and they have a show coming up in a few days, August 1st, that's Mystery Vortex 7, No Matches or Talent, announced ahead of time. So that's their first show back since the pandemic, and then they're following up a month and a half later with September 26th, Tremendous 6. Bandito, the current PWG World Champion and also the ROH World Champion, Des and Wentz, the current NXT Tag Team Champions, are the PWG Tag Team Champions. I don't believe that Des and Wentz or Nash Carter, Wesley, whatever you want to call them these days, will be showing up to drop those titles. But uh, I don't know. Maybe WWE is going to start cooperation with PWG. I don't know. It, it seems more likely in this scenario that it could happen than in a lot of other ones. But for sure, I would, I would not hold my breath on that. So. Yeah. MSK, current PWG champions, when they go back to hit the independent circuit years from now, they can always say, 
those were the belts we never lost. That's right. And continuing the WWE news, Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men podcast has reported that WWE is planning to return to Saudi Arabia on October 21st, later confirmed by John Pollock of Post Wrestling and Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. There you go. The last trip to Saudi Arabia was in February of 2020, where Goldberg defeated The Fiend. So when they get to the Saudi shows, they always want the Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker and Paul Bear to be there. So I don't know who's going to beat who at the next Saudi Arabia show, but Legends... Well, and it did give us the airplane being held up and the great Buffalo NXT run-in show that's set up for a Survivor Series, so we can hope that that happens again. I, I don't hope for another hostage situation. I don't have a lot, of, a lot of things positive to say about the Saudi shows. Enjoy the money. Yeah. Fair enough. Ring of Honor announced that a fan vote will decide whether Quinn McKay gets in the ROH Women's Championship Tournament. I checked just before the show. The vote was currently tallied at 645 people in favor of putting Quinn McKay in the tournament and 45 votes against. So it looks like Quinn McKay will be in the tournament, which kicks off this weekend on ROH TV with three matches. Really good tournament. Good luck, Quinn. Yeah. Al Carl asking about the whereabouts of Bray Wyatt. Now, I covered this with John DeCani last week on Thursday. Bray Wyatt is out, and it is not necessarily for there is not for an injury, and it's not creative. He's out for some other reason, and nobody has any timetable or has heard of any timetable on when he will return. Could be Monday, could be next fall. Don't know. I'm but, pretty sure it's because him and Randy Orton are shooting a buddy cop WWE movie for Netflix. There you go. They're out together. Maybe that's exactly what they're doing. But uh, but yeah, so there's no no injury, so he's not hurt. But And there's no creative issues, so not sure what the situation is. Finally, before we exit the headlines section of the show, Dave Meltzer reported that Chase Owens is going to be in this year's G1 Climax. Now, there's no double confirmation on that. There's no New Japan hasn't made any announcement regarding the G1 Climax and who the participants are. That is Dave saying something that he must have had some sort of tip on, but it's not any anything that's out there. It's not a surprise, I but I don't know if anybody other than Chase Owens' family cares. Uh, unfortunately, the current KOPW champion would probably not win too many matches <laughs> in the G1 Climax. No. Unless they decide to do mid-card G1 or something. He's a three-pointer or a six-pointer at best, probably. Yeah, yeah. All right, headlines out of the way. Let's talk about what's coming up on NXT tonight. We have Adam Cole versus Bronson Reed, Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan versus Timothy Thatcher and Tomasa Ciampa. And the breakout tournament continues with Carmelo Hayes versus Josh Briggs. I like the Dunne, Lorcan, Thatcher, Ciampa match. I think that could be a lot of fun. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we've seen that storyline rolling around quite a bit. That's cool. It seems like one of the consistent ones right now. It feels like NXT is trying to get their footing again, I guess, is the best way that I can say it as far as like with the call-ups and the different stuff that they're dealing with storyline-wise. So I think the insertion of Joe has been really good for that show because I think if he wasn't around to do that, they would be in, it'd be some treading of water. So the thing about Joe is he is a storyline that carries throughout the entire show. Correct. You know, he, he, First segment, last segment of mm -hmm. the last NXT show. He was in both. So he's like the thread that's being weaved throughout the entire show, much like Steve Austin was with Raw back in the day. Yep. Now, you're right in the sense that I think NXT, I don't know. 
but they may be having issues with trying to figure out who's going and who's coming and everything like that. And last week they had a whole bunch of female talent on the show that wasn't really featured in a big way in the past. The more people get more opportunities, NXT, like we said, is probably in a rebuilding phase. The one thing they need, though, is they need to get out of the CWC, I think. Big time. 300 people in there is not enough. NXT is... NXT has always been a hot crowd, so it, it'll be nice to see when they finally do get out of the CWC what that show looks like. Very excited for that. I agree. And to be honest, there doesn't need to be a whole lot more people because Full Sail wasn't that big of a place. So 900 or whatever? Yeah. Okay, so the AEW lineup for tomorrow night, Fight for the Fallen, the much-anticipated, long-awaited Santana and Ortiz versus FTR Jericho versus Nick Gage, Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus versus Private Party, and Helico. Hikaleo gets a IWGP US Championship match against Lance Archer, the Good Brothers, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega versus Adam Page, Silver, Reynolds, Grayson, Uno, and Tony Khan making some live event announcement. Not sure what that is, but perhaps it's FanFest during Chicago weekend. Perhaps it's something more fun. But Tony Khan on camera to do that would be weird, so we'll see. I think I think we're gonna see him announce a Thanksgiving show in Chicago, but we'll see. That could be that that, that possibility. He, he talked about wanting to do that when when he came out after All Out in 2019 that he wanted to do Thanksgiving there. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna see a pay per viewish thing. I think they got to get to six pay per views from four. So well, they like, have those with their shows. specials, right? Sure. So that could be a live. Don't get me wrong. This is the third week in a row that we're getting a full-on pay-per-view to watch on normal two-hour yeah. broadcasts. So, yeah, yeah, this should be a lot of fun this week's show. I'm looking forward sure. to it. Travis, anything else in the world of wrestling that we might have left off? I didn't. Bring well, up- I know you guys talked about New Japan yesterday, so I didn't really talk about that. A lot of stuff happening over there, so that was good to see. More people can- watching wrestling than the Olympics in Tokyo. That is the big news story. Yeah, so that's not a surprise. I have some friends that do some work over in Japan, and they've even said lately they the wrestling popularity over there has eclipsed the sumo popularity, oh. which is not something that was a given before. And it's actually bleeding into some of the card games that are over there, too. Hiroshi Tanahashi is getting involved in, in a card game called Cardfight Vanguard, and he's been featured throughout the past with that. And there may be a chance that he gets some actual cards and stuff. So he was in one of the one of the anime episodes as a character that was featured that was card fight battling during a show. So that it's I think the resurgence is actually sponsored by Bushi Road Card Fight Vanguard Overdress mm-hmm. when that happens. And there's some game events that are going to be structured around that show as well. So it's interesting to see that collaboration. Other than that, I don't have anything huge, strong, mm-hmm. and it's been quiet. Well, we have the finals of the Tag Team Turbulence coming up, and that's going to be the Good Brothers versus Chris Dickinson and Brody King. Yep. So that is yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what that's going to lead to. I don't know if that's going to be a, some sort of tag team title opportunity or if it's going to just maybe there'll be the strong tag team champions or something. But Yeah, I think it's weird. They've, they've set the stage for each of these belts. They've rolled out a tournament and done the belts, and they've introduced the belts and stuff like that. So I think now that we've got a champion and then we'll have a tag team champion – we can find a way to co-mingle it together as a show and and really start storylines because now you have people that are defending something versus just two people or four people. Wouldn't it be something if the Good Brothers have strong tag team champions and they become belt collectors as well behind Kenny Omega? At least it brings a little bit more, I don't know, 
weight to them because they've been the guys who lose all the elite man we could see something interesting too jay white's been on strong before in the past and those are tape shows and stuff like that too so with them having all the stuff going on in california and stuff i wouldn't be surprised if we see a whole loop of matches where there's maybe new japan is the new japan wrestlers are getting in there with the strong wrestlers and we see a lot more of that going on too so could be a lot of fun quick question here just a little speculation before we end the show Tonight we have, or tomorrow night, we have this five on five elimination match to determine whether Hangman Page is getting a title shot, as well as whether the Dark Order gets tag title shots. Is there any chance here you think that Page and team lose and the main event of All Out is actually Omega versus Jay White or something? No. Yeah, I think it's pretty well locked that it's going to be Page. I think that if the rumors are true and you've got Daniel Bryan and you've got CM Punk coming in, I bet their creative has been, which is great long story planning and different things like that. And we talk about that and give them credit for that all the time. You insert one or both of those superstars into your stories and stuff. It's a good thing you've got a second show coming. Yeah, no because kidding. Because you're going to need it. Those are big major name talents and things like that. And and you've got a full card where half the half the solid roster doesn't get on the show every week so it, it'll be interesting and pretty good timing for them we're what two weeks out from the first from the first friday night show for them it's going to get interesting yeah for sure so all right uh with that for travis i'm ryan we'll see you tomorrow